Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Are. This is Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromwell. Well, the horses have rounded the far turn, and we are now in the top of the stretch of this 2021 NFL regular season. With only four more weeks to go, I think it is clearer than ever that we are headed for a photo finish at both the top and bottom of the playoff picture for both conferences. Do you agree, Hal Bent? I certainly do agree, David. Three teams in the AFC with nine and four records, three teams in the NFC with 10 and three records. This is going to be a crazy last quarter of the season. I cannot wait. I cannot wait either. And let's not forget the bottom of both conferences, like uh, countless seven and six and six and seven teams jam packed against <laughs> one another. It's going to be a tight race for those wild card spots as well. Yeah, I mean, still so many teams that are still in the race. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Miami trying to get into it. You know, Indianapolis, the Chargers, your Denver Broncos even. They're still in the playoff picture. The AFC, it is unbelievable. And the NFC just as muddied up. Your Minnesotas, your Washington football teams, the Eagles are still alive. How is Atlanta and New Orleans surviving in the playoff race? I don't understand it. And here comes San Francisco. This is just a great season for parity in the NFL. Pete Rozelle, former commissioner, would be ecstatic to see a season like this. He most certainly would. And before we talk more about those playoff scenarios, and we will a little bit later on, let's talk about our main takeaways from week 14. What was your main takeaway, Hal? Uh, main takeaways, number one, the Buffalo Bills are not dead and buried yet. This team turned it on in the second half. Josh Allen, what a gutty performance carrying his team back into that game against Tampa Bay. I mean, that was just a, you know, huge performance from that young quarterback to get them back in that game. So, the Bills, big matchup on Boxing Day against the Patriots coming up. That division in the AFC East isn't locked up yet. Don't count out those Buffalo Bills. And speaking of Tom Brady and that uh, Tampa Bay team, NFL MVP. Is it Tom Brady? Is it Aaron Rodgers? Hey, can we just book these two for the NFC Championship game right now? Because... I am just so excited with the Battle of the Bays. I want to see Tampa Bay, Green Bay. I want to see Brady against Rodgers. I cannot wait. I hope that happens. Those teams have got to meet in the playoffs. It sure looks that way at the moment, and we will discuss that more a little bit later on. And not only that, I think Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are your two front runners for MVP as well right now. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I don't know how you pick between the two of them right now. They both look deserving, but hey, we still got four games to go and a lot can happen in these last four games of the season. You said it. And uh, my main week 14 takeaway is this. I was at this game on Sunday in person, front row seat. 
The Denver Broncos playing the Detroit Lions. Yes, the Lions uh, might have the worst record in football, but they're not the worst team in football, in my opinion, because they're very well coached. Uh, They got some promising talent, especially up front on both sides of the ball, but uh, they were absolutely slaughtered by the COVID bug and uh, the flu bug and injury bug as well last week. And uh, the Broncos, uh, even though the Lions put up a, inspirational fight especially in that second quarter with a very effective counterpunch the Broncos played virtually that entire game as if it meant something more to them and it did to honor the memory of Demarius Thomas Demarius Thomas not only was he one of the best wide receivers of the history of the Broncos franchise dare I say he was one of the nicest guys you would ever meet in sports Period. I had the opportunity to meet him, however, briefly once. Uh, it's in the picture on my avatars on both Facebook and Twitter and on Instagram right now. And uh, it was like uh, he was like a big brother to you. He uh, like uh, after we took the picture, he smiled at me and uh, just uh, gave me a friendly reminder to not forget my jacket. He was just so caring and compassionate, but that's who he was off the field. He loved being in the community and doing community work with at-risk kids at the Boys and Girls Club. He uh, helped uh, raise awareness for orphans in South Africa and uh, Lesotho and other countries in the southern region of Africa, not the country South Africa, but the southern part of the African continent, so to speak. That's what I meant. He just had a caring heart and he just did all he could. He just worked his tail off year in and year out fought through countless injuries to deliver big plays when the Broncos needed it most, especially in that magical Super Bowl winning season of 2015. Demarius Thomas, that could have been a more fitting tribute to him because uh, not just the way they started the game with 10 men on the field and Cortland Sutton, who plays Demarius's uh, old position at X, uh, sitting out on the field in his memory. The last drive of the game, even though it was a meaningless touchdown, that wouldn't have made a difference uh, in the overall outcome. They still did it because the drive went 88 yards. And obviously Demarius Thomas wore number 88 in Denver. And it it just seemed like he was there the whole game. Yeah, David, I mean, amen to that. I mean, it was an amazing tribute by the the Broncos. It's such a tragic loss for Demarius Thomas and lining up with 10 men on the first play, like you said, kudos to Dan Campbell and the Lions as well. Their classy move of the, declining that delay of game penalty on that first play of the game. And, you know, Demarius Thomas, just like you said, just a wonderful athlete. And, you know, every story that you've heard about him is the emphasis is no, not on just a great player, but just a great, great person. Um, I know I'll always remember uh, that 2011 wildcard game against Pittsburgh and that first play of of overtime where he took the slant from Tim Tebow and took it to the house. That was just one of the most electric plays in NFL history. Just such a great, great memory there. Um, So, you know, Demarius Thomas, it's, it's a loss for everyone losing you. And like you said, um, you know, great job by the Broncos and the lions as well uh, to honor him on that first play of the game. Indeed, and my hat goes off to the Lions as well for declining that penalty on the first snap of the game. And Demarius, uh, he was a guy who just left an impression with you, as I alluded to, uh, no matter how briefly you knew him. 
And a classic example is he spent just about a couple of games, maybe a half a season with the Patriots, but Julian Edelman like uh, gave a moving post to him on Instagram saying that he just made an impression on everyone in that locker room. He just made the locker room better in an instant. And Bill Belichick uh, echoed that sentiment just yesterday. Exactly. A, a very short time in New England, but it definitely impacted. Um, you know, it was a, a big deal for Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator as well, who had drafted Demarius Thomas while he was in Denver as well. Uh, unfortunately, Demarius didn't have that success until after McDaniels was gone, but um, easily, you know, for that five-year stretch with Peyton Manning, uh, easily the most dangerous wide receiver in the NFL at that time as well. Uh, what a dynamic duo that was. Indeed, it was. And now it's time to play our favorite game on this program, Truth or Exaggeration. You know how this game works. I make a statement, and you determine whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating, and then explain why. And we start with the latest elephant in the room in the National Football League. It is a certain somebody who's not a man or a woman. This somebody's name is COVID-19. And just like in the rest of the country and the rest of the world, Cases amongst players and personnel and staff within the NFL are skyrocketing at the moment. So truth or exaggeration, the NFL must put all 32 clubs in intensive COVID-19 protocols, meaning mandatory mask wearing for everyone inside the facility, regardless of vaccination status. Most, if not all, meetings conducted virtually and daily testing right now. Truth or exaggeration. It's a truth if they want this season to play out the way it should, because if you want a fantastic finish and you want these teams at full strength coming down the stretch, then you need to take those steps. Um, you know, otherwise we're going to see teams that are going to miss out on making the playoffs because key players are out due to contracting COVID-19 with the league allows that to happen. I don't want to see that. I want to see the best product that we can possibly get on the field. And the NFL should, truth, step up and enact these protocols ASAP. I agree as well. And moving on to the Dallas Cowboys, where Dak Prescott, yes, Dak Prescott is currently holding the Cowboys back from achieving their potential. Truth or exaggeration? I think there's a little bit of truth there, David. I, I think, you know... He's not at 100%. I don't know if it's that that ankle. He doesn't have the mobility. He's not making plays with his feet, taking advantage of the open, open field and being able to tuck the ball and run when the opportunity presents himself, itself. It might be a little bit of a, a mental block there, something that he's got to work through, but there's no doubt about it. That Dallas offense is not even close to that Dallas offense that we saw in the first six weeks of the season. Um, that offense has gone downhill. They're staying at the top of the NFC. Um, you know, they're getting over these uh, losses to the Chiefs and the Raiders here and the Broncos in the second half of the season uh, due to that defense, which just keeps getting better and better with Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence now both healthy. That's what's going to keep Dallas as a uh, top seed there in the NFC. But yeah, Dak, they've got to figure out what's going wrong with him. Yes, there's some protection issues. Yes, the running backs, the running game is slowed. But Dak is capable of carrying that team. 
He just has to figure out how to get himself there, whether it's healthy, whether it's, uh, you know, breaking that mental block, whatever it is, he's got to figure it out. He's got four games to do it before the playoffs. Absolutely. And today it was revealed that Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer kicked as it physically kicked Josh Lambeau, who was released by the Jaguars earlier the season due to struggles uh, during trading camp. And this was added to Todd Pelissero's report from the weekend that Urban Meyer uh, stood up in front of his assistant coaches and called them all losers. And he confirmed that he himself confirmed that to Jay Glazer of all people. So truth or exaggeration, Jaguars owner, Shad Khan shouldn't fire Urban Meyer on January 10th. He should fire him this second. Truth or exaggeration? Amen. Amen. Truth. You know, David, when I do my week 14 takeaway, my takeaways each week, I always have a couple in reserve because you've been known to steal some of my takeaways here. So I left you the, the Demarius Thomas because I knew you were at that game and I didn't want to step on your feet with that one. But my other backup one just says, I am so beyond Urban Meyer right now. He must be fired ASAP. So the loudest simpatico alert that there is, I mean, at this point with Urban Meyer, I don't even want to hear his name. To me, he's Lord Voldemort. He's he who shall not be named in Jacksonville. He is sucking the life force out of Harry Potter. I mean, Trevor Lawrence right now. This is an ugly, ugly situation. It's past the point of no return. You know, clearly there's a disconnect with the coaching staff that he hired and picked out and brought in there. And the players, how do those players have any respect for that man, the way that he's conducted himself in his first season? He has got to go. I won't even say his name anymore. I am done with him. Oh, perfect. Perfect analogy. Oh, my goodness. And yes, it is sadly looking like Trevor Lawrence is being derailed in his development by Urban Meyer and this Jaguars coaching staff for the sake of saving Trevor Lawrence and for the sake of getting a more humane person in there, dare I say, he who must not be named must go and go now. And moving on to the San Francisco 49ers, where Jimmy Garoppolo, Will net the 49ers a first-round pick should they decide to trade him in the offseason? Truth or exaggeration? Oh, that's that's a t- tough one. Um, well, Carolina's out there, so I guess the possibility exists. I would think it's an exaggeration. I, I see him as a, a package of picks. He's, he's too fragile. Um, you know, he's had injury problems, hasn't been able to stay on the field. He's got that big contract still, you know, I'm looking at a second and a fourth as his value, but certainly if there's the bidding war, I guess it's possible, you know, again, Carolina is the most likely to make some strange move at quarterback. They've kind of cornered the market on that in the last couple of years. So I, I want to go exaggeration, but I'll say there's a grain of truth there. Yes, I think uh, the Sam Darnold uh, trade uh, from the Jets to the Panthers uh, last offseason should be the parameters for a potential trade of Jimmy Garoppolo by the 49ers should they decide to go down that path and believe that Trey Lance is ready to take over next fall. And speaking of the Cowboys defense who you just mentioned, 
Micah Parsons, he should not win 2021 Defensive Rookie of the Year honors. He should win 2021 Defensive Player of the Year honors instead. And in that same token, Patrick Sertan II should win 2021 Defensive Rookie of the Year honors instead. Truth or exaggeration? Yeah, I'll go with a, a truth to that. Sertain's been fantastic at cornerback. He's the front runner if Parsons wasn't there. There's no doubt about it. And right, why should Parsons grab all the awards? He's definitely deserving. I think at this point, he's pretty much edged his way into the comp, uh, into the conversation for defensive player of the year. No Forget pun intended. Of the year. <laughs> exactly. So, yes, 100% truth on that one here, David. I agree. Um, yeah, defensive player of the year. And let somebody else take the defensive rookie of the year uh, just so he doesn't take all of the awards. We're simpatico there as well. And as you alluded to earlier, but keep in mind, if this statement is only partially true in your view, it counts as an exaggeration. The NFC Championship will be between the Packers and Bucks. And the AFC Championship will be between the Chiefs and the Patriots. Truth or exaggeration? Uh, I'm going to go with a little exaggeration because, yes, I, I still think, you know, Battle of the Bays in the NFC, although if Dak gets on track, if Kyler Murray turns it around, if the Rams keep rolling like they did on Monday night, there might be some competition. I mean, there are five legitimate Super Bowl teams in the NFC right now, as far as I'm concerned. So maybe, maybe, but New England, no, I, I've got to see New England go on the road against Indy uh, and beat Indy and then go home and take care of business against Buffalo before I put them ahead of, well, you know, ahead of Buffalo themselves, Baltimore, Tennessee, you know, Tennessee gets healthy, Baltimore gets Lamar healthy. They're still in the conversation. And don't forget those Chargers. They've got that quarterback who looks like he's back on track from those midseason hiccups. So they're going to be a threat, uh, if not to Kansas City in the West, uh, as that wild card team that nobody in the world wants to play. I would have to agree. Too much parity in this league to immediately crown uh, the final four teams in the playoff picture by the end of January. And moving back to my other favorite team, the Chicago Bears. The Bears must, and I mean must, fire general manager Ryan Pace in addition to head coach Matt Nagy. Truth or exaggeration? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the truth on that one as well. Clean house. Uh, you know, <laughs> at this point, you know, he hasn't brought in enough of the talent. He hasn't brought in the right coach. I don't want him picking the next head coach. Clean house. Clean everybody out. Uh, let Nagy go back to Kansas City and reestablish his value or something. I don't care. Get him out of there. Get some uh, a talent evaluator who knows what he's doing. Get a head coach that can develop young quarterbacks. Um, you know, that's where the Bears should be looking. <clears throat> Brian Dayball. <clears throat> um, and that's where I would go if I was in Chicago. I would have to agree. And plus, Ryan Pace, he just lucked into Justin Fields because a lot of teams were scared off by his epilepsy. Yes. And, you know, the, the drop of Fields on the draft day was maddening. 
the teams that passed over him, I think there's a lot of teams that are going to want to do over in a couple of years when they're looking for a quarterback and they know um, they had one sitting there waiting for him and they didn't take him. Yeah, and I think they'll feel similarly bad about Mac Jones as well if he keeps this up in New England. And uh, But back to Matt Nagy and head coaches on the hot seat for a moment. I want to ask your opinion on four head coaches on whether they should be either retained or fired. And we start with the New York Giants and Joe Judge. Should the Giants retain Joe Judge or fire Joe Judge? I think at this point, Gettleman's gone. Um, You know, I'm usually a fan of let the new GM pick his new head coach. I don't like, you know, thrusting people upon him. But let, let's face it, Joe Judge did not want Jason Garrett at his, as his offensive coordinator. That was thrust on him by the New York ownership, and that derailed this Giants team. His defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, has done a fantastic job um, with that defense that lacks high-end skill positions. I think Judge deserves a second shot, a second chance. I'd give them at least another year, make sure they're going in the right direction. And, you know, I, I just feel so bad for Judge having to deal with uh, Jason Garrett thrust on him against his will. Plus, John Mayer and Steve Tisch, their ownership style has fallen out of favor with a lot. And I mean a lot of the NFL in recent years. That's how low the Giants have sunk. Should Vic Fangio playoffs or not? be fired or retained again we talk about you know here's a team that that's got it figured out on the defense you know does he sacrifice offensive coordinator pat Shermer at the end of the season and say i'll bring in somebody else to turn this offense around uh under my leadership here because my defense is looking good right now and still rolling the way that that defense is playing I almost can see it playing out that way, especially with a strong finish here. They've got three games in the NFC West. They basically control their own destiny. If they want to make a run for the playoffs, it's lining up for them. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they'll miss the playoffs. And if they miss the playoffs, uh, Fangio be gone. I think if they make the playoffs, though, he'll be back and probably see a new offensive coordinator in Denver. But the purpose of this exercise was to take the playoffs out of the equation. So playoffs yeah, or no playoffs, I, <laughs> should Fangio be retained or fired? If I'm running Denver, yeah, he's he's going to go. He's going to go. You, you need the fresh start. Um, Especially with new ownership coming in. Yeah, exactly. New ownership. Uh, big splash move at quarterback, hopefully this offseason in Denver. Just turn it all over. Turn it all over. Uh, fresh start. Make it fresh. All right, I'm with you. Bring in Denver. Nice and fresh. Should the Vikings retain or fire Mike Zimmer after last Thursday night? I'm still not sure he should be retained. Yeah, I, I wonder if you know, it's one of those cases where sometimes sometimes coaches have an expiration date in a city. And I still think Mike Zimmer is a great defensive mind. He's certainly been a very good 
uh, head coach. I don't think he's a great head coach, but at the same time, you know, his calling card is defense and that defense is dreadful. So playoffs or not, however, Minnesota finishes, I think they're overdue for a new voice in the locker room. And I would move on from Zimmer after this year. I think he's kind of gone as far as he can go in Minnesota. I would have to agree with that as well. And last but not least, should the Seahawks fire or retain Pete Carroll? If they want to keep Russell Wilson, they might have to fire him if Russell Wilson wants a change. Yeah, I'd be keeping Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is, you know, headed to the Hall of Fame. Uh, His work that he's done in Seattle, that mini dynasty that he's built. I mean, this team still wins a lot of games, not counting 2021 here, um, which has obviously been a struggle for them. But Pete Carroll still one of the uh, top 10 coaches in the NFL. I think if I'm Seattle, uh, I'm riding with Pete as long as he wants to be driving there in Seattle. Yep, uh, I understand that point of view, but if Russ wants Pete out, then I think you have to honor Russ's wishes. Do you? Well, you get into a dangerous situation when you start having quarterbacks uh, making personnel executive decisions. Uh, That is a slippery slope when you give a star player that much power. Uh, I still, I'm old fashioned. I still think it's the head coach's team not the star player or quarterbacks team. So I'd say, hey, Pete, how do you feel about a a real rebuild here and see what we can do with these first round picks in the coming years um, and see what I can get for us. It's going to be a very interesting offseason once again in Seattle. And now let's preview our game of the week, which is For sole possession of first place in the AFC West, still arguably the most competitive division in the National Football League this season, the Chiefs go to SoFi Stadium, site of Super Bowl 56, to take on Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers. This is a matchup of arguably the two best quarterbacks in the entire National Football League. No offense to Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, but both of them are down to their final couple years, arguably. If you want to talk about the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL for the next decade plus, nobody comes close to Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Heck, we think Justin Herbert's the best quarterback in the NFL right now, as we discussed and agreed on our podcast a couple weeks ago. But when you look at this game, the trenches are going to be missing two very critical players, one from each team due to COVID. Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones who's arguably the defensive MVP of the entire National Football League right now, and Chargers left tackle Rashad Slater, who would be Offensive Rookie of the Year had the NFL media establishment shown more love to offensive linemen. Whose absence will impact this game the most and why? I mean, that's a tough one because you're talking about two impact players, one on each side. You know, if Jones was there and Slater wasn't, I'd say huge advantage, Kansas City. And if Slater was playing and Jones was out, I'd say huge advantage to the Chargers. But big losses on both sides of the ball right there for both squads. I 
you know, I, I'm looking at this one and, and I hate to, I hate to say it because it's such a cop out, but man, this is such a wash. You know, I think for the chargers, maybe if I had to, you know, twist my arm and, and, you know, not let me wimp out and make a decision here, I'd say probably Slater with the chargers, just because that right side with storm Norton is already a huge weak spot there. And if you're thinking in, and if they're going to either uh, keep Norton on the right side or move him to the left or put Michael Schofield in on the right side or, or who's the back Trey Pipkins. Is that yeah, the Trey Pipkins backup? Be starting tonight. Yeah, yeah. I thought I saw. So, so Trey Pipkins starting. Yeah. I mean, that's such a huge step back And Kansas city does have more of a pass rush outside of Chris Jones as well. We've seen Melvin Ingram, really starting to make an impact and Frank Clark's over there as well on the right side. So yeah, I, I think for the chargers, this is a bigger loss um, that they just am going to, are going to have a lot of difficulty covering up uh, the loss of Slater where Kansas city has other pass rush options. Oh, very true. And Melvin Ingram, the former charger has recently come alive as you suggested, like Doug Farrar of uh, the USA today touchdown wire, uh, showed some advanced stats a couple days ago that showed a dramatically improved difference in a key metric with Melvin, Melvin Ingram on the field for the Chiefs versus the Chiefs defense before he signed with them. Yeah, he's made an impact. He's been reborn there. Um, you know, they've, they've got to be sending Christmas cards over there to Pittsburgh and saying thank you for sending him over because he's – he's been a key factor in changing that defense that the first four weeks of the season, I thought it was a chance to be a historically terrible defense. And, you know, just like we talk about all the time, those, you know, I, I didn't think he'd be able to do it again, but Steve Spagnolo doing it again, that defense that looked so terrible at the beginning of the season turned around by the end of the year. And now it's one of the best units in the NFL, just, unbelievable performance there if you look at how the chiefs also played last week they ran it very well they used the running backs well and clyde edwards and daryl williams and the chargers uh, have a weapon of their own in the backfield it austin eckler and the chiefs are going to be missing linebacker willie gay who is clearly their best linebacking option to coverage no offense to nick bolton but Nick Bolton's more of a downhill thumper guy. He's not a, a run with running backs and coverage kind of player. They're going to really miss Willie Gay tonight. So, true or false, whichever team's running backs have the better night will win the game. You know, for passing league 2021, that has been true almost all season long. So, yes, I'm going to say that's a true and with Austin Eckler as the star of my fantasy football team, and I'm on a six-game win streak, I am saying, come on, Chargers, feed Eckler. This, tonight is his night. Let's do it. Yes, and plus, like I said, this is a matchup between the two best quarterbacks in football, and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, especially if you're talking about over the next decade plus. So, I think it's in the incentive of both the Chargers and the Chiefs to play keep away from the other offense for as long as possible. And how do you do that? Run the ball and use your running backs often, even in the passing game. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, we haven't seen the the balance. I think a, a large problem for the Chiefs has been that lack of a running game. For whatever reason, they haven't gotten it going. They've abandoned it too early in games. As you know, they spend a first-round pick on Edwards Alaire. May as well use him, get your money's worth out of him, bring that balance to the offense, and bring back those easy throws for Mahomes. And same thing on the other side with the Chargers. You know, we've seen that downfield passing game uh, emerge these last two weeks, uh, the games against Cincinnati and the Giants as well. And again, part of that is if you can get that running game going early, defense can commit another man up in the box. That's one less person in the defensive backfield for those big plays and opens up that downfield passing game. So both teams keying on the run, time of possession, setting up those big plays that way. I think we got a great game here tonight. I cannot wait. Oh, I cannot wait either. And now let's talk about the key matchups and picks. And speaking of the running game, if the Chiefs want to get their running game on track, this is a golden opportunity for them to do so. They have to be watching the film of the Broncos and Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams and what they did to this Chargers defense just a few weeks ago. You can do the same thing with Clyde Edwards-Elair and Darrell Williams running behind that special, and I mean special, interior offensive line that you have with Joe Tooney and stud rookies Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. It could be a, but the mismatch of the night with those three. Going against Jerry Tillery and Linval Joseph. Linval Joseph uh, is uh, way past his prime, and Jerry Tillery has not lived up to the first-round draft status at all. The Chiefs have a golden opportunity tonight to run the ball with uh, both those running backs and Creed Humphrey and Joe Tooney and uh, Trey Smith against that troublesome Chargers interior defensive line will help tremendously in that effort. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, if, if you're going up against the Chargers as well, you're running inside, you're negating part of that strength of that defense as well, which is that edge pressure. You've got Joey Bosa, you've got Nwosu there as well. Uh, they can get off after the quarterback, and the best way to slow that pass rush is to run the ball. And if they can get, if the Chiefs can get that going and get that balance, um, you know, that's going to be huge for them. And again, flip that around. This Chargers offensive line is where the concerns are. No Rashawn Slater. So, you know, you still have that right side of the offensive line with Schofield and Norton that has been a question mark all season long for them. That's where, you know, if those guys can't get it going in the running game early, they're not going to hold up against the pass rush in the second half of the game. And that's going to spell trouble for the Los Angeles offense. Oh, absolutely. And uh, let's switch sides once again. Uh, when you're talking about that Chargers defense against that Chiefs offense in the passing game, the question is, who do you take away first, Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey? I think the Chargers want to take away Tyree Kill and play that too deep safety look most of the night. But that could open up the gates for Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey, even though he might have slipped a little bit this year, he still can play. Just look at that amazing touchdown catch and run he had week two against the Ravens. Travis Kelsey can still play at a very high level. And I think the Chargers might need to devote Derwin James to taking Travis Kelsey away. Yeah, I, 
I agree with you there, David. I think Derwin James has to have Travis Kelsey in his sights all game long. Travis Kelsey, you know, is is this year is is still, despite some of the drops that he's had and some ineffectiveness early on, you know, he's one of those death by a thousand paper cuts kind of receivers, where you know every time you need that six yards for a first down, he's there seven yards out and just beyond the sticks, making that tough catch in traffic time after time after time. So yeah. I mean, play to your strengths if I'm the Chargers. You've got Derwin James you can put on the tight end. You've got in the secondary, you still got Asante Samuel Jr. there. Let him try to run uh, with, uh, you know, Adderley bracketing if you have to on Tyreek Hill. Whatever you got to do, take those two away and, you know, challenge Kansas City and say, you know, Clyde Edwards Alaire, Darrell Williams. You know, McCole Hardman, Byron Pringle, that's who you're going to beat us with. We dare you to do that and see how, see what happens. And who do you think comes away with the victory tonight? I mean, this one is a, a coin flip. You know, I, I think Los Angeles loses a little bit of an advantage just because of losing Rashawn Slater. But at the same time, you know, I think the running back, they've got the edge as well. Um, you know, Austin Eckler, so dynamic at the running back position. So I'm kind of seeing that balance out. I'm looking at two teams right there. One, two in the AFC West. Huge Thursday night game, primetime, national TV. Everybody watching this game all across America. The two best quarterbacks. I'm going to go with my heart on this one. I'm going to say Justin Herbert makes that play uh, at the end of the game, somehow pulls away in a, not a high scoring game, not a low scoring game, but I'll take the chargers 27 to 24 over the chiefs. Is that a simpatico alert out here? I'm going with the Chargers as well. Justin Herbert, he is just so special. Oh, my God, that touchdown pass to to Guyton, I believe it was last week. Oh, my goodness, that was one of the most unreal throws anybody has ever seen. And Those are just my words. That's Daniel Jeremiah, um, who does the Chargers radio broadcast, the color analyst for that. But, and also the head NFL draft analyst for NFL.com and NFL Network. So Daniel Jeremiah, who's been scouting quarterbacks almost his entire life, he knows what a good throw is. And when he says, I've never seen a throw like that before, we should all pay attention. Justin Herbert is just so goddamn special. And this is his time. This is the Chargers time to let America know that they are for real and I do not see Justin Herbert squandering this chance. I am going with the Chargers as well. And now let's pick the rest of these week 15 games, starting with the Saturday slate, where the six and seven Las Vegas Raiders travel to Cleveland to take on the COVID depleted Cleveland Browns. Head coach Kevin Stefanski, Baker Mayfield, Austin Hooper, Jarvis Landry, and Malik McDowell. Tested positive today, and that I'm still missing. Oh, Jedrick Wills and Wyatt Teller. So many key players out for the Browns. 
I have no choice but to take the Raiders at this one, but it's going to be ugly and low scoring because I trust that Browns defense to keep it competitive throughout. I'm looking at the Browns defense here as well, but I'm going to come back and say, I've said it before, Case Keenum should be quarterbacking this team in Cleveland anyways. They're going to see Saturday afternoon, he'll lead them to victory. I've got a Cleveland 24, Las Vegas 16. Whoa, very interesting there, Hal. And the second part of the Saturday slate, your New England Patriots travel to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. And this is going to be a very tough challenge for the Patriots because the Colts offense has done extremely well against the best defenses in the league so far this year. Yes, they certainly have. And, and, you know, on one hand, this should be a low scoring game, but these are two both very productive offenses as well. I think the one stat that Bill Belichick is looking at going into this game is uh, Indianapolis. When Jonathan Taylor rushes for 100 yards or more are seven and oh, when he's held to under 100 yards, there's zero and six. I think it's a sellout up front stop the run and that could be just enough if you're putting the game in the hands of the quarterback and your quarterbacks Carson Wentz I'm going to go with the Patriots secondary on that one I've got the Patriots taking it in a close one 27 to 25 and I am going with the Patriots as well and I don't think it's going to be that close because I fully trust Belichick to sell out and stop the run uh, all game long and uh, force Carson Wentz to pick that Patriots secondary apart. But I trust J.C. Jackson and Devin McCourty and that Patriots secondary to do all they can to neutralize this Colts receiving group that, uh, aside from Michael Pittman Jr., doesn't seem to be too scary, at least to me. It's going to be a close game, and uh, the Patriots are not going to want Matt Jones to throw a lot in this game because of that Colts pass rush. They're going to want to run, 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 run all night long again. It might not be... Uh, as big a dichotomy as it was in Buffalo, but it's going to be a predominantly run-oriented game plan on offense for the Patriots. And that, plus the defense, is going to be enough to carry them to, I would say, a 23-16 to win in Indianapolis. And the Buffalo Bills, whose remarkable cover-behind effort fell short against the world champion Bucks, host the Carolina Panthers, who are absolutely reeling right now. Uh, Josh Allen is a little banged up, but it shouldn't affect him at all. This is a get-right game for the Bills. I think they win this one rather easily, 33-16. to 16. Yeah, I've got it a little bit closer than that. I think the offense will struggle a little bit. Carolina's still got a little bit of defensive pride left, and with Allen banged up, um, you know, Buffalo isn't going to have him do as much as he normally does. But, you know, two touchdowns, still an easy win. Buffalo 24, Carolina 10. The Arizona Cardinals, after a heartbreaking loss at home to the Rams on Monday night, traveled to the Motor City to take on the Lions. And I would have thought about giving the Lions another chance at an upset win, but I just can't right now. They're just too depleted due to both COVID and, and injuries. And Jared Goff, does he score enough points against this defense? Heck no, I do not think so. I like the Cardinals, and I think the Cardinals win it pretty easily, let's say 31-14. to 14. Yeah, I, I don't even have it that close. This is Detroit's become the, you know, uh, get-right game for these teams. 
Arizona blowout win 40 to 15 over the Lions. The red hot Miami Dolphins fresh off a bye host the reeling New York Jets. And yes, the division games can be different, but I just can't see the Jets coming away with an upset here. I like the Dolphins. I think uh, uh, Tua and that passing game should uh, get some more big plays against this Jets defense. And Zach Wilson has just been god-awful. That uh, a talented Dolphins uh, defense with uh, Jalen Phillips and, and that front going to harass them all game long. Yeah, I mean, oh, I I don't know what the Jets are doing here. Um, I mean, I Zach Wilson looked better in training camp over the summer than he does now. I mean, he can't. The one thing he had that was unquestionable was accuracy, and he's missing receivers by five yards. His head is messed up. The Jets have got to do something to get him straightened out. They brought in his uh, uh, personal quarterback coach. There's been absolutely no improvement. He's probably got too many voices in his ear right now. He's got his personal quarterback coach. He's got the uh, regular quarterback coach, Rob Calabrese, that's there. They've got offensive assistant, uh, Matt Cavanaugh, who's been a uh, offensive coach in the NFL for 25 years. I think he's got too many voices in his head right now. He's a mess. Dolphins are clicking. The Jets are not. Easy win for the Dolphins, 30 to 10. The Dallas Cowboys, I think this is a potentially get-right game for them on offense as they go to the Meadowlands to take on the Giants. And uh, I expect the offense to play better than they did against Washington. But even if it's just slightly better, they should still win. Mike Glennon and that Giants offense against this Cowboys defense to Michael Parsons, not a chance. Cowboys. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, we saw some blowout games starting to show up last week. Uh, we didn't have quite as many of those close games as we were getting used to and spoiled by. So I think this is another one of those horrible uh, over midway through the second quarter type of games. I've got Dallas winning it 34 to 12 over the Giants. A divisional battle and an NFC wildcard playoff battle. The six and seven Washington football team going to Philly to take out the six and seven Eagles. And it's still up in the air whether Jalen Hurts plays. But that said, I like the Eagles in this game, whether it's Hurts or Gardner Minshew in this game, because this Washington defense, uh, yes, uh, they kind of had a break last week going against uh, Dak. Uh, but at uh, his subpar health, but uh, I don't think this pass rush can get by the Eagles offensive line with Jonathan Allen and man, Ioannidis and COVID protocols. Eagles should be able to run the ball all day. No matter who is a quarterback. I like the Eagles. Yeah. I, I like the Eagles here as well. Coming off the bye week offense clicking, uh, you know, I just see it as too much for the football team who's fought so hard this year. Um, having to play for that owner in Washington, you know, oh, all what the an inhuman monster, oh, Daniel Snyder, oh. inhuman monster. You will hear me say this on every program we have when we mention him. Amen. And the players trying to work in that environment, uh, you know, my heart goes out to him, but I still can't pick him because Philadelphia should roll pretty easily in this one. Uh, I'll give it Philadelphia 27, Washington 16. We are simpatico on 
all of our games so far, Hal. I wonder if our first divergence is here as the Titans travel to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers of the Steelers. Oh my goodness. That was as bad of a first half as I have seen in years, man. That was just <laughs> awful, uncharacteristic of a Mike Tomlin coach team. Nonetheless, the Titans are still missing AJ Brown, still missing Derrick Henry. Their defense is still very, very good. But the Steelers will be getting T.J. Watt back at this game. And I do not trust Ryan Tannehill, even against old man Roethlisberger, to make the key plays needed to win. I am taking the Steelers in an ugly, low-scoring game, 19-17. to Ah, uh, yeah, we, we went off track on this one, David. You know, I still trust Tennessee a little bit more uh, than that Pittsburgh offense. You know, not the first time we've seen Pittsburgh make this furious comeback in the second half after laying an egg in the first half. Uh, I think that's just a sign of a, a, a bad offense right now. And, you know, it's a matter of Ben gutting out games against soft coverage in the second half that gets them back in the game. And, you know, certainly I believe in momentum as well in the NFL because we are not dealing with numbers. We're dealing with people, but in this case, Tennessee, just too tough, too mentally tough. Um, you know, they had that get right game against Jacksonville. They're straightened out. They've got a game plan. They're still going to run the ball. They're still going to control the clock and they're still going to play tough defense. So I've got Tennessee taking it short, definitely low scoring and ugly, but 20 to 13 over the Steelers. In a matchup that... I hope gets blacked out literally the Texans <laughs> traveling to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. I would want to pick the Jaguars in this game, but the new surrounding urban Meyer is just a cloud over that organization right now. I don't trust the players to get past it. And I think the Texans, even though they might not have as much promising talent on paper as the Jaguars, They've been playing much better football than the Jaguars. I am going with the Texans to sweep the season series. I'm with you on this one, David. I am, uh, you know, at this point, Jacksonville, just a horrible mess. Um, let them wrap up at least the number two pick here. Davis Mills played a heck of a game last week as well. We saw his accuracy on display in the short passing game, getting the ball to the running backs. And um, despite the lack of weapons there in Houston, did a great job of spreading the ball around. I have more confidence in that offense right now, as sad as a statement that is to make. I've got Houston winning it uh, 20 to 10 over the Jaguars. Another wild card playoff battle in the AFC as the seven and six Bengals travel to Denver to play my seven and six Denver Broncos. I tried to find a path for the Broncos to win this game, but the mismatches on both sides of the ball up front are just too much for the Broncos to handle, especially with Draymond Jones 50 50 for this game. But even if he does play, he'll clearly not be at full strength. I like the Bengals in this game, and it's not going to be particularly close. Bengals 27, Broncos 13. Oh, you know, the one thing I'm going to keep giving the Broncos is that advantage running the football. Um, Melvin Gordon got, you know, 
starting to look like himself again last week. Javante Williams, you know, challenging Najee Harris as the best running back, rookie running back uh, coming out of the draft last year. So I don't know. I, I, I can see it happening in my head here. I, I think I'm leaning to it. As long as I've been on the Cincinnati train, I, I hate to jump off now, but uh, in Denver, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Broncos. Close game. I'll even say it goes to overtime, and the Broncos win 24-21. to 21. Oh, you forgot about another running back, Joe Mixon, and the fact the Broncos have a bottom 10 run defense. Is that enough to make you change your mind? Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Not gonna, Cincinnati needs to throw the ball to win. So yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm still going with Denver here. Oh boy, Hal has more faith in my Denver Broncos than I do, just like at times I have more faith in the Patriots <laughs> than you do. But that's how realistic we are on the show. We're fans of our deeds, but we ain't homers, and that's why we encourage you to listen to Sports Crunch every single week during the NFL season and during the NFL non-playing season, so to speak. The 6-7 and seven Atlanta Falcons, they have won six games despite a negative 110 or something like that point differential. Traveling to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. I don't see them having similar results against the 49ers as they did against the Panthers. The 49ers defense and ground game, which are the heart and soul of this 49ers team, are hitting their stride at exactly the right time. And uh, the Falcons uh, are far worse than the Bengals, who the 49ers beat in overtime last week. I like the 49ers of the skate and it's going to be pretty easy. 31 to 20. Yeah. I mean, I week after week, I look at Atlanta and I say, they can't stop anybody. They can't score. How are they still in the playoff race week after week? I can't figure it out. I'm just going to say, throw up my hands and say, Arthur Smith, I, I believe in you. You're doing something right over there. You've got these guys still playing hard for you at the end of the season. You know what? This will be my upset special. I'm going for it. I'm going to say Atlanta for no good reason that I can give is going to come out and win this game against San Francisco, Atlanta, 27 Frisco, 26. Ooh, interesting. The Seattle Seahawks who have won two straight travel to Los Angeles to take out the resurgent Rams I think I smell an upset right here because Russell Wilson, with all the talk of him, could this be his final four weeks playing for the Seahawks? I think he is going to be motivated to do whatever it takes to will his team across the finish line, even to an improbable wildcard playoff berth if he can. He is going to give it all he has, and I think he comes away with an upset win, 34-28. to 28. Want to know how? Stay tuned in bold predictions. Oh, that is bold, David. That is bold, but I am not coming with you. I loved what I saw of the Rams on Monday night against Arizona, coming off of that get-right game against Jacksonville. I think the Rams are on the right track uh, right now. They're getting ready to peak here in December and January. I'm looking at them running the table and finishing 13 and four and will Arizona keep up with them? I don't know, but I can't wait to see. And I see the Rams steamrolling Seattle here um, on Sunday afternoon. I've got it. The Rams 34, the Seahawks 20. 
The Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, whose toe apparently regressed his own words uh, in last Sunday's win against the Bears, traveling to Baltimore to take on the Ravens and Lamar Jackson and his gimpy ankle, although it's not a high ankle sprain, thank goodness. But that said, I like the Packers in this game. They're a team, as we have said for weeks, they are playing like this is the last dance. And... They're going to keep playing like it this Sunday at Baltimore. The That depleted Ravens secondary is going to be no match for Aaron Rodgers at this passing game. And the Ravens depleted offensive line is going to be no match for that Green Bay defensive front, that underrated Green Bay defensive front that has stepped up tremendously in the season-long absence of Zedarius Smith with Preston Smith, the other Smith brother on one edge. Rashawn Gary, who has emerged into a star this year, and yes. our boy Kenny Clark in the middle, that Ravens offensive line with all those injuries, they cannot handle that Packers front at all. I like the Packers, and the Ravens keep it close for about three quarters or so, but then the Packers pull away in the end. I like the Packers 34-21. to 21. Yeah, I, I like the Pack here as well. Uh, like you said, I mean, Baltimore, they're playing hard, but there's just too many injuries piling up. Green Bay starting to get healthy. They've survived the injuries. They're still at the top of their game and they're peaking as well here in December and into January. I've got Green Bay winning it pretty handily, 30 to 14. The New Orleans Saints still in the playoff hunt at six and seven, traveling to Tampa to take on the Bucks on Sunday night football. The Bucks lost to the Saints and Trevor Simeon in a gut-wrenching Halloween defeat. Uh, when Jameis Winston uh, got hurt, but I do not see lightning striking twice for the Saints again. I think uh, Brady and the Bucks are hitting their stride exactly the right time on offense, and they're getting healthy at exactly the right time. I think the Saints might keep it a little bit closer than people think for about uh, three, three and a half quarters, but then Brady and the Bucks are going to tear in the fourth quarter and pull away. I like the Bucks, 38 to 28. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what it is about New Orleans that uh, gets in Tom Brady's head. I don't know how they've, what, it's been three out of the four in the last two years, counting the playoffs, uh, that New Orleans has won against them. I don't see it happen. I think Tampa Bay uh, is going to get a little bit of that New Orleans monkey off their back and a big win here. I say Tampa Bay in a little bit higher scoring than we would expect 38 to 27 over the saints and on monday night football the six and seven minnesota vikings traveled to chicago to take on the chicago bears in the beginning of the end for matt Nagy and hopefully ryan pace and ceo ted phillips the chicago bears and uh it's an end of an era that us bears fans cannot wait for and the vikings have a playoff berth to play for nonetheless i highly considered picking the bears in an upset here because i still believe that justin fields even with matt Nagy, still there but even with the vikings and their roller coaster season i still trust mike zimmer way more than matt Nagy. this game is going to be rather close but i like the vikings to pull away in the end vikings 20 bears 16 yeah, and oh, why do we have the Bears back-to-back -back week in primetime games here? Oh, what is this? Uh, uh, 
Well, uh, at least we well, get to see Justin Fields. At but least Matt we Nagy get Justin Fields. But Matt Nagy, unfortunately, has held him back all year long. Yeah, and, and you know, the Bears threw the kitchen sink at Green Bay. And, you know, for a half, they were right there with them um, before they just ran out of gas, ran out of options. I looked at that as a, a last gas kind of game. This is the game they had circled in the schedule, primetime division rivals if they were bound to do an upset that was the game and now they've got to deal with the deflation from that game coming down oh this is going to put minnesota right back into the playoff race oh god i don't want them there oh minnesota 23 chicago 16 and now it's time for our bowl predictions for week number 15 you go first here hal well, I originally was going to have, you know, Tampa Bay and New Orleans as uh, the bold prediction with Tom Brady having a huge game and throwing a bunch of touchdown passes. And I said, that's not bold at all. There's nothing bold. He could throw six touchdown passes and everybody would go, eh, whatever. You know, nothing new there. So I've got to go back to my upset special of Atlanta over San Francisco. How does Atlanta score three touchdowns and beat San Francisco? Cordero Patterson is going to be the one. 100 yards rushing? Sure, why not? 100 yards receiving? Why not? Touchdown run? Touchdown catch? Well, he's thrown a pass this year. Why not a touchdown pass as well? Cordero Patterson, three for three. Touchdown pass, run, uh, reception, 100 yards receiving, 100 yards passing. I'll even give him a 50-yard bomb for the touchdown passing. Cordero Patterson wins the game for Atlanta somehow. That's my bold prediction. And with a game like that, he will be neck and neck, if not slightly ahead of Jonathan Taylor for Offensive Player of the Year honors. My bold prediction is that Russell Wilson throws for 400 or more yards and four touchdowns, including a game-winning Hail Mary. And who will the Hail Mary be to? Do you want to make a guess, Hal? Oh, no, no guess. I, I You're going to... Former Ram Gerald no. Everett. <laughs> that is my bold prediction. And oh, now we conclude our program as we do every single week with our challenge flags. And I will go first. My challenge goes to the Los Angeles Chargers. Like I said, Chargers, tonight, is your opportunity to become legit Super Bowl contenders in the eyes of everybody in this country. You have arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now, and I am not insulting Patrick Mahomes when I say that. Justin Herbert is that special. It is his time. It is your time to shine. It is your time to take that battle away from the Chiefs and tell Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes that what you had is now ours. Just seize this opportunity tonight, Chargers, and great things will follow. I like it, David. I'm going to keep the challenge on the West Coast. Heck, I'll keep it in Los Angeles. Sean McVay and the Rams, I already went out and said, you're ready to run the table. Seattle this week, at Minnesota, at Baltimore, and then San Francisco in what could be a huge game uh, in Week 18. You've got a chance because Arizona's schedule has them going to Dallas and playing the very difficult Colts as well down the stretch. I can see Arizona going two and two. I can see the Rams running the table, finishing in first place 
in the NFC West. You are there. You can do this. Deal with it. Yes, the COVID-19 protocols this week. Yes, the Rams are being hit, just like many other teams. But the NFC West is in your grasp. You're already all in for 2021. We've been saying that about the Rams. Time to make one of those Sean McVay runs at the end of the season. I think they can do it. Sean McVay, let's go. Yes, Al Bet, ladies and gentlemen, of BostonSportPage.com and full press coverage. You can follow him on Twitter at HalBent01 and on Instagram at HalBent3. Hal, thank you so much once again for joining us. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back same time next week to recap week 15, preview week 16, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. You can also follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at Sports Crunch with DCROM. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, be sure to check out the new and improved SportsCrunch.com. For Hale Bent, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, and enjoy another fun weekend of football, Cats and Kittens. Stay cool. <laughs>